If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Now today's guest is Michelle O'Neill. Now we've had Michelle on before. She's been giving us some lot very valuable information. She's got cherry tree equine. In number 217, she came on. She talked to us quite a lot about um what she was doing, and then 297, she came back and talked about the ideal horse. Now, as a carry-on from that, the ideal horse, she's also now got the tips to prepare for trail. Now, we've already got the ideal horse, so it's like we feel like saddling up and get going. Now, how are you today, Michelle? I'm very well, thank you, Glennis. Yourself? Yeah, really good to have you back again, Michelle. It's been good to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Oh, that's okay. Great information. We've got to keep getting you back. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Now, Michelle, I know that you love to go on trail. I think how many acres are you on there? Uh, we, we're lucky enough to have two and a half thousand acres. Yeah, perfect. All right. So for two and a half thousand acres, I think preparing for the trail, you've probably got a really good idea of what we need before we go out on trail. So um, anything else you'd like to say? You know, obviously you've chosen this, but just tell us why you chose it. The reason why I've chosen this topic, Glennis, is because we we do run here, uh, we run what we call clinics on the trail. We take people out and and we show them, you know, how to train their horses away from the arena. And honestly, it's the stuff I do with my young horses Mm -hmm. every day. Um, And uh, people sometimes take it a bit lightly. And we've had horses come that have never really been out and... It's quite amazing. It's a specialty area, isn't it? You know, it really is. Uh, Yeah. Definitely, definitely. I, years ago, a friend of mine said, oh, you know, any horse can trail ride. But um, I've seen over the years where a lot of horses can't, especially these days, you know, Glenis, things have changed. Like here, you know, we breed our own horses, so they grow up crossing creeks and rivers and going yep. dams and stepping over logs. But these days, a lot of horses that come out, like come out to places like this, they've never seen things like that. And, mm-hmm. and we had a, I had a horse here once, a thoroughbred horse that um, someone sent me, it never crossed a creek. Yep, yep, yep. So the first time it came to a creek, it was like, wow, what's this? And so, you know, th- things have changed. You know, we can't take for granted. And, and horses being prey animals, naturally mm-hmm. claustrophobic. Yep. And when you get them in timbered country where they can't see very well, some horses will pack. Mm. Mm. Yes, yes. I can remember having a, a thoroughbred off the track who was bred on, well, you know, one of the big thoroughbred properties, which is post and rail yeah. fences and short mown grass and everything else, and he'd been a <laughs> racehorse. And he was fine working in the area where it was short, the grass was short. I took him through some grass and it was like, you know, be over knee high and it was close to a yeah. creek. I wasn't asking him to go across the creek, but to take him through the grass. Poor guy was shaking. He just hadn't had anything around his legs like that before, you know, just because of the, the way he'd been brought up. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. We we so we molly coddle our horses and, and there's so much money tied up in horses. Like I'm not I'm not having go on anyone for that. You know, there's yeah. reasons for yeah. that. 
there's so much money tied up in breeding horses that, that yeah, so many of them are not exposed to things until they're understanding. Like you say, you know, X-Racers, I love I love X-Race horses. Um, I've had some wonderful ones in my career. And, you know, but, but these days, they, they, you know, they're in a box and, and they're on the track and they don't see anything mm. outside. And, you know, even things like sheep and cattle. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, like the first time, or a kangaroo. Or a oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You yeah. know, all those things that, that horses are just never exposed to anymore. And unfortunately what happens is, People forget that or they take it for granted and they go out on a trail and then one of these things jumps out at them and suddenly they're not having so much fun mm-hmm. anymore. And blame it on the horse instead of just not having the right preparation. Uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so your first tip is to be prepared for surprises. What have you got to say to prepare for that? And I cannot stress enough how much you can prepare for surprises by doing groundwork. Yep. You know, the more groundwork you do, the safer for you and the horse. You know, mm-hmm. and it's exposing your horse to just ordinary scary things, you know, like plastic bags and, and logs and tires and, and things like that. And getting your horse to work around them on the ground to where he's comfortable with that. And what you're actually doing is building his confidence in what's going on around him. And you're building his confidence in you. He, he learns to understand that you are going to keep him safe from these, from these sort of very scary things that may pop out. And the great thing about groundwork, I mean, as you know, Glennis, is you, know, you, you get on an animal, or get on a horse, it's a, it's a you know, five, six hundred kilo animal, and they do have their own mind. And, and unfortunately, you know, if they're scared of something, we're really physically not strong enough to stop them. Yes. So if you've already set them up through groundwork and, and, and educated them and, and built their confidence and trained them and, and got them to where I always like to say, you know, if you can just get them to check in before they leave. Mm. Uh, and so if something scares them, it gives you that they know that you're going to protect them enough that they just check in with you before they panic. Yep. Um, and yep. then that that keeps you safe. And, and you know, we, we actually... We've built a, a trail course here just for doing that, you know, with tyres and logs and, t- yeah. um, you know, rubber and things like that. Just and, and I will take my young horses out, you know, if it's a bad weather day and, or, or having, a, you know, a great deal of time or whatever. I'll take my horses out and I'll work them on the obstacles, mm, just on the ground. Mm, mm, yep, yep. All right, now you've got all the things that are on the ground. What else? You've got um, practice obstacles at home. Obviously, you don't want to be practising your obstacles out in the trail. We talk a bit more no, about that. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. So you get the, once you've got things going really well on the ground and, and you know, your horse is really comfortable with with whatever scary things your imagination might come up with, whether it's, you know, trotting over tarps and stuff, then take it to the take it to the next level. Because yep. ultimately you want to go trail riding. It's not trail leading. Yes. We want to go trail riding. So, you know, and ride your horse and you know, again, you know, you can use your imagination with this kind of stuff, you know. If you have a horse that doesn't like stepping in water, mm-hmm. get a hose, build, make a bit of a puddle. Yep. Yep. You know, yeah, you can do really simple stuff like that. Um, and, you know, the thing is too, you want to make sure that you can control all of this at home because at home you have control of the environment. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, you're in, if you're in my trail course here, for example, it's in a little paddock above the arena, it's cleared paddock, it's on a gentle slope. You know, it is unlikely that a mob of kangaroos are going to fly through that paddock unexpectedly. Yep. 
So you don't you you're doing it in an environment that's really safe, and and by starting in that safe environment, you're building both your confidence and your horse's confidence in those scary obstacles that he's going to have to deal with when he gets outside. Yeah, yeah. All right, now another thing that you've got that I think is very important, particularly if your rider's a little bit timid and a bit reluctant to go outside, is do your brakes work? And how often do we see, Glennis, mm. when when something goes wrong, the brakes fail? Okay, and not not so much on a horse today. We had a classic example today when Spencer was helping me on the ride on lawnmower and he hit the wrong pedal and <laughs> we're going down a bank. You know, it's the same feeling on a horse. It's not good. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> you, know, you, yep. you, don't, you don't want that to happen. So, again, it's that thing of building this in a controlled environment where, you know, you might be in a round. It's one of the first things I teach beginner riders when they come and start having lessons is how to do a one-run stop. And, and, you know, I'm from the generation where, you know, when, when I was a kid and, and horses bucked, you know, I was taught to pull on two reins. Mm-hmm. So for someone like me to discover the one rein stop as I sort of travelled along the journey, I had to retrain myself in, in, in it's my automatic, was my automatic reaction as soon as something went wrong to pull on both reins. Yep. And of course, as you are not, no, that, that just makes things worse because mm-hmm. if you grab on both reins, your horse panics. They don't know what's going on. And, of course, all that tension goes through your body and suddenly things can escalate out of control. Yeah. So if you can just, in your arena, riding around, you know, whatever you're doing in the round yard, anything you're doing, just for fun, just for fun, just practice one rain stops, one rain stops, one rain stops. And even my mum who, you know, she's, I don't know, got a few years on her now. Probably shouldn't say how many. But, you know, even she, who rode a lot as a kid and, and was a bush rider as a kid and went to, you know, gym cars and stuff, but has never had a lesson in her life, even she now has become second nature to her that if her horse goes to do something, she instantly pulls his head around. Good. Yep. You know, now, if she can do it, anyone can do it. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Yep. It's, it's just practice. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Yep, and, and as you say, second nature. It, you know, and that's what I uh, – I had a conversation with a horse trainer one day about this years ago. Yep. And it, before it became second nature to me, and he was watching me ride a young horse, and something went wrong, and I grabbed on the reins, and he just went, what are you doing? Like, you cannot do this. You are mm. you are just making the whole situation worse. And what he does – and and there's a lot of trainers out there I know do this. They, they teach their horses to stop by when they're youngsters by using a one-run stop. Mm-hmm. Well, I then that's how I made it really second nature for me. I taught myself when I was riding my young horses to always stop them with a one-run stop. Yep, yep. Suddenly yep. now it's just something I'll do. You'll see, me, you'll see me cantering a horse around the arena and I'll go to stop him and I'll just slow him down and pull him into a one-run stop even now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you've got to keep practising it. Yes, yes, and another thing to practice at home when you can get on, you don't have to walk home, is can you mount from anywhere? <laughs> I had this conversation with a client yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> How, you know, it, we're in the arena. Actually, I was doing a clinic in Canberra yesterday and I had some people there and they had we had the mounting block for them and I watched some of the horses have trouble standing next to the mounting block. Yep. Now, that's a mounting block in an arena where it's beautiful, flat and level. Yes. You know, if you're out on the side of the hill and you need to get back on, um, 
you know, if you're not capable, if you're not up to mounting off the ground, and and I'm pleased, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of using mounting blocks and, and things because it does help your horses back. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you, you need to make sure that your horse will stand up against a log or a fence or a rock so you can do that. So it's that same thing again of preparation by practicing it at home. If your horse is a little difficult to get on using the mounting block at home in your arena, chances are when you're out in the bush and there's stuff going on and you're possibly with a group of other riders or or maybe you've had to get off because something has gone wrong and so your horse is possibly a little wound up, that's, you know, if you can't mount that horse easily off a mounting block in an arena, chances are when you get him to si- or she to sidle up to a log or a, sh- or a rock in the bush, you're going to have a lot more trouble. So, you know, it, it's that thing with, um, you know, with competition horses, we always work on the fact that they're possibly going to perform better at home than they do when they go out. And it's exactly the same when you go out on the trail. Yeah. You're, you're putting your horse in a completely different environment. Classic example, you come to us for a clinic on the trail. You know, we're at 1,200 metres. Um, we have open country, we have timbered country. You know, if you've come from an adjustment centre in Canberra or from down the coast or, or Sydney, you know, imagine what your horse is thinking about this strange world you've taken him to. So suddenly there's all these other pressures that he has to cope with. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to make sure your training is right. Yep. So, you know... It's, I, I, I'm not a fan of walking home. <laughs> no, 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 that's right. That's exactly right. Yep, yep. And there is options, of course, with that um, in relation to um, stirrups and things like that. You know, you could get some of those safety stirrups that will drop down and then you pick them back up. And there's things like that you can look into if this concerns you. Yeah, yeah. But it's still something to be sorted out at home, isn't it? You know, Definitely. if you think you can't get on at home, then you can say, right, well, I'll look at, you know, alternatives, you know, while you, you don't have to walk home, I suppose. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. it, might, it might be something like, well, it's just practising, like, stretching your legs every day and, yes. and getting a little more flexible. You know, that might be what works for, for some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's exactly what you say. It's working on the home and finding what works for you. Yep, yep. The next one, which I think is a very important one before you go and organise all your friends to go for a ride, I've got my horse quiet now, I'm ready to go for a ride, do you want to come with me, is does your horse like groups? Yes. How often do we see horses that have ridden really well on their own mm-hmm. and then they go out in a group situation and there's other horses and there's lots of movement and remembering, you know, these animals, they, they've you know, got 70,000 years of evolution that tells them to run away from scary stuff and yep. suddenly put them in an environment where they can't see and there's horses in front or horses behind and and you have no control over those other horses and those other riders. You know, so if you're planning to go on one of that, some of those fantastic trail rides that are, you know, charity trail rides and stuff where there's big numbers of horses, you know, you really need to make sure that your horse is comfortable in groups before you do that. And, of course, you know, it's about, you know, making sure that the people that you do that with also will support you. You know, you might have a fantastic group of friends. So, you know, you might go for a small trail ride. You know, maybe just start with a couple of them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if that goes well, you might go out with a few more of them. There's, there is no prizes for being able to take your horse on his first trail ride and yep. go with 100 other people. 
Yep. You know, yep. That yep. There's, there's no ribbons in this event. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, you may as well make yourself and keep yourself safe and your horse safe by just thinking about, you know, what the situation is that you're heading out on. Yes, yes. So people who are riding with you who understand what your horse needs, understand what you need, understand what your horse needs and are prepared to do what they need to help you and your horse go out for your first trail ride. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. and I'm not saying, I'm not saying, Glennis, that, you know, horse, horses, you know, don't take to trail riding like ducks to water. I'm, mm, I'm, mm. I'm not saying that, you know, you might have a great horse and you could go on one of those huge charity trail rides and he never puts a foot wrong. Um, but to give you an idea of, of, you know, we talk about trail riding, we talk about how, you know, popular it's now becoming and, and and how, you know, so many people are wanting to do it. You know, not every horse is suitable for that. No, I was because... just going to say, even the horses that you go with, like, you know, you want your horse to be suitable, but the horses you go with, because some horses can go out in a lovely quiet ride and then with one horse, but another horse may not be suitable as well. Yes, and that is exactly right. You know, and I have a horse here. I have a horse mm-hmm. here. He will go out with one or two horses, yep. and he is wonderful. But when I, t- I actually can't take groups out with him mm-hmm. because the combination of me having to manage everybody in the group, yep, and the combination of too many horses that he can't control where they go, yep. And this is a competition horse. This is a horse I take to competitions, and will warm up in arenas and not worry about anybody. But out in the open, he cannot cope with large groups of people. Mm-hmm. Now, I could obviously spend time and work on that, and, and we will over time. Like, I'll, I'll obviously train with him on that issue. Yep. But at, he's only a young horse, and at this stage in his career, he mentally cannot cope with that situation. Mm-hmm. And you've only got to speak to some of the actual professional trail ride operators. Obviously, you know, up here in the Snow Mountains, we have quite a few. You know, how many horses do they have that they turn over? Yep. Because yep. they just don't suit that group environment. They might be fantastic trail riding horses, but they're just not perfect for mm-hmm. their business. So, you know, they, they find them other homes where they don't have to go out with large groups all the time. Yes, yes. So we've talked about the other horses and whether or not your horse likes groups, but you've got here about picking your friends wisely. So it's not just your friends. Someone might be a great friend, but not a very sensible person to go riding with. Yes, and we all know that person. You know, <laughs> we, we we all know that person who, you know, I, I had a, a clinic on the trail here a couple of years ago and um, someone who's a fantastic horse person and a very good competitor. And she came up and she got out in some of our open rolling country and she just went, oh, this is wasted on you because all she wanted to do was gallop. Yep. And you can't do that in a group environment. Like, you know, so at the end of the day, the people who you ride with will ultimately decide how good a day you have out on the trail. Mm. And, And that's something to really think about because if they're not working with you or they're not willing to accommodate you know, your concerns or your horse's concerns from the start, then you're already going to be worried about the situation. So, you know, if, you've, if you're inexperienced on the trail and these are experienced trail riders and, you know, they are just interested in going and they just want to cover so many miles in a day, you know, you're going to be unsettled, you're yeah. going to be possibly scared and your horse is going to respond to that. 
Yeah. So why would you want to go trial run again? So unfortunately, of course, as with everything, and you and I have talked about this in the past, where yep. when people get a fright or get scared or have a bad experience, unfortunately, often we lose them from the industry or we lose them from that part of the industry. And that's a real shame. Mm, so, it you know, is. Just, yeah, you know, really think about who you ride with. Oh, classic example for me personally, um, when I get my young horses back from from my, from my friend who starts them, you know, the only person I want to ride with is my mum. Okay. Like, yep. you know, because she has been riding with me. She she is not the world's greatest rider, okay, um, but her horse is super steady, and I know if I have a young horse play up, he gets really calm mm. and he just settles the situation and she's really sensible and knows like just by watching what's going on when things are going to come unstuck. Yep. So, you know, she's the classic example and she's not the most experienced rider in the world, but she's a calming influence. Obviously, she's my mum, so she has to be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's, a, she's a calming influence. She understands young horses. And if we have a young horse here, and, and this is what I really recommend people do, like if we have a young horse here that's, you know, maybe a little touchy, maybe a little super sensitive or is just, a, and, and, you know, it's all because they're just uncertain and they're young, you know, we talk about that before we go and we have a plan and, and we know what's going to, you know, what will go on. And, and she knows that, you know, if I get out on the trail and a young horse is in real difficulty, I will get off and I'll groundwork that horse. Mm-hmm. You know, some people aren't willing to wait for you while you do that kind of stuff. Yes, yes. They're not the people you want to ride with. No, particularly not your young horses. No, no, and even, you know, if you're you're just an inexperienced rider. Yep. You know, it's that thing in education, you know, you can only teach to the speed of the slowest person in the class. Yes, So if someone's having trouble with a concept, you know, you have to slow the class back down and and, and help them catch back up to everybody Mm -hmm. else. It's exactly the same thing. That's a really important sort of thing to think about when you're trail riding because if you have a horse that is having trouble with something, doesn't want to cross a creek, um, doesn't want to go through a bog, and everyone else just rides off, well, then suddenly you're in a lot of trouble. Yes. Yep. Um, Yep. Yeah. And, you know, we have – I have had – I've had on the clinic on the trail, I've had horses play up. And I've actually had people offer to get off and walk home. And I'm like, that is not on. We, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. nobody gets, no man gets left behind. <laughs> yes, you know, yes. You know, we we will stop mm. and we will work on the issue. And and everybody who comes in to the groups here is really accommodating of that because yep. it is a clinic on the trail. Yes. And, and I think sometimes that's, maybe we need to change the way we think about it. Maybe we sort of get so wound up that it is a trail ride and yes. we have a destination to go to that maybe people need to think about the fact that it is still a training exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if they went to teach their horse to do a counter arc in yep. the arena, yep. they wouldn't expect it to happen in two minutes. Mm-hmm. So why do we expect horses just to handle the trial. trial in one ride? Yes, hmm. yep, for so, sure. Yeah. I think that point itself is is very good. Yeah. Now, the next one you've got about horses needing slippers. So just explain a little bit, you know, shoes, boots, slippers. Yep. That's it. Which whichever works for people is fine by me. Um but the point is that there's no point going for a trial, especially if you're going for a reasonably big trial. Ride. This is no matter what your level of experience. Mm. Um if you're going for a trial ride and your horse goes footsore. 
Yep. That's the most disappointing thing for you because it was so easily prevented before you left home. Yep. You know, you just have to make that decision if you're into barefoot, you know, and your horse might have really naturally hard feet and, and doesn't need boots or anything, but it's possibly just worth checking mm-hmm. um, what the sort of country's like you're going to be riding on. And I often have people ask me, um, you know, before they come, they'll be like, what's the ground like? And I'll be like, oh, it's mostly, you know, soft, but there is a few rocky bits. Mm. Um, you know, so you can be prepared for that. And you know, then you're going to have, again, a more enjoyable ride. Um, yep. And, and everyone's yep. going to have, you know, it, it just, you don't want to create it. Why create a soundness issue in a horse that you could have prevented? Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look, horsechats.com. And and you've got the shoes, boots, slippers, but the other equipment. Yes. (laughs) Yes, making sure it's functional and safe. You know, like how often do people just not check stuff? Um, yeah, a classic example in like Western type bridles is a lot of those cheaper Western bridles um, and some good ones too. But they use Chicago screws to yes. like patch the bit. Yeah, yep. and most people put the bit on, screw those in, and they never think about it again. And would you believe we had um, had a clinic on here a couple of weeks ago, and two people had Chicago screws mm. come out of their gear. Wow. Once wow. we're doing a two-day clinic, yep. And and you know if that's that is something that's fixed really simply with um, you don't even need Loctite is fantastic, obviously, but nail polish will do that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just put the nail polish on. So yep. you know, but it's th- little things like that. And something that gets me is when people don't clean their gear and then it rubs their horse. Yep. And you know things like girths and and boots. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of using horse boots on the when you're out in the trail, um, mm-hmm. just because they create a whole range of other issues as far as, like, you know, legs heating up stuff. But, um, you know, like, yeah, if you don't wash your girth every so often, you know, you, then you go for a big trail ride. And saddle fit, saddle fit. You know, mm-hmm. you go, mm-hmm. when you're out in the trail, it's not like on an arena, you're going up and down hills. Yep. So if your saddle doesn't fit on an arena, when you start going up and down, it's going to be sliding all over the place and pushing into your horse's shoulders and, and really making them uncomfortable. And, of course, then we've all seen that thing where the pony trots down the hill, the saddle jams into the back of his shoulder blades, yep. Yep. and so he bucks. Yes. Now, well, you can't really blame the horse. He's got, you know, 10 kilos of saddle, 60 kilos of rider, and it all jams into his shoulder blade going down a hill. You know, so again, it's 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 common sense with all your riding, really. Like just making sure that all your equipment is safe, that it's clean, that it's functional, that it does the job. Um, but it just again, because we tend to take trail riding as just that thing we do, um, sometimes we pass over that. Yeah, I think when you say it's common sense, it's common sense. But this is just a checklist to go through to say, have I thought about everything? Yeah, exactly. That's right. Um, there is a piece of equipment that I'm a bit of a fan of that um, I don't see used a whole heap in Australia, and that, that's a Makati. Mm-hmm. And for anyone who has ever used one or has seen one, the concept um, 
you know, is that you have your rein, but then you have another part of a rope which goes through your belt. And if you have to get off for any reason, um, you can to groundwork your horse, whatever, you've actually got a groundwork rope right there ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit of a, you know, sort of a Fiquero type thing, a very American thing. Um, of course, the other thing is if you have it tucked into your belt and you fall off, then you actually still have some contact with your horse, which is also a good thing. A mistake I see made with the Makatis is people tie them off on the saddle horn. And if you tie it off on the saddle horn, you might as well just have a normal set of reins. It yep. doesn't really make much difference. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, that that could be just something that people could use that mm. could make their ride a little bit more enjoyable. Okay. Okay. Now, making a plan. What's That's your, your next tip. Yeah. So... Um, you know, it's it's just it's that principle of basic safety. You know, where are you going? Who are you going with? And for how long are you going? Yes. And you have to make sure you tell the right people this information. <laughs> um, <laughs> a bit like for me, because I'm at home riding on my own all the time. And um, you know, I could tell Warren when that I would be back in the house at lunchtime, and I'd yep. ring him at work when I got back in the house. And he might remember that at about six o'clock at night. <laughs> um, so he's not a great one to tell. I've learnt that over the years. Yeah. So, you know, you need to make sure that the person who knows where you are is actually at some stage going to come yes. looking for yes. you. Yes, yes, um, So, you know, and if you're going on a ride from, say, point A to point B, or even if you're, you know, driving to, to your campsite or whatever, if you can, like, you know, Bring and let people know where you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just just let them know that you're safe. And, and if you get into that habit, then it becomes just second nature to do it. Again, a bit like the one race style. And it's just one more thing that you've got in place that's going to keep you safe. Mm, mm. I think the big thing is not just making a plan, it's, it's letting people know. You know, letting people know. And it's just a quick call, just a quick call when you leave, quick call when you get back and you're right. Yeah. Yeah, we have a we have a process here by I I make a phone call every morning before mm-hmm. I leave the house and yep. I make a phone call at lunch when I get home. Yep. And then, you know, someone rings me at night. You know, like it's mm. that yeah, just so that, you know, somebody knows that I am still kicking around the joint. Yep. Now the last point that we've got is, you know, because we wouldn't think that riding is the safest sport in the world and we want to think that trail riding is the safest way to do it. But what if, you know, what can we do to prevent those what if situations? That's it. You know, it's that, you know, you, you always, you know, prepare for the worst, hope mm-hmm. for the best and prepare for the worst. Yes. Um, you know, if if you prepare, you know, we always say around here, if you prepare for this sort of stuff, it, it will never happen. Um, the day you don't prepare for something to go wrong, that's where something will happen. So, you know, it's checking things like, you know, is there mobile reception where you're going? You know, classic... Here where we are, it's very, very patchy. And, and I know, you know, a lot of places up the mountains are like that too, yep. where people love to go trail riding. Um, you know, so if you can get a bit of an idea before you go, that will, you know, just it's just one way that you can either keep in contact with people or say to people, look, you know, we don't have mobile reception, but, you know, we'll ring you as we go into the park or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you don't have mobile reception, that where you're going, there are other options. Um, you, know, you can carry an emergency beacon. Um, there's fantastic. There's a whole range of fantastic tools on the market. You know, GPS devices and all the rest. And you know, we've got one here where I can literally send a text just to let whoever I want know that I'm okay. Yeah. Um, or you know, it might be 
um, just checking in or then it might be um, I've had an accident but I'm okay and then it might be I've had an accident and I need help and then there is, of course, you know, yes. then there's the one where you just hit the dial and, you know, the helicopter comes. Sure. Um, so, you know, and the biggest mistake people make with all of these things, whether it's their mobile phone, whether it's an emergency beacon, um, they carry them on their horse. Yes. Now, that's yes, really Yes, that's handy. right. Yep. Yeah, when the horse has left town, mm-hmm. then what do you do? And, you know, we all have heard stories of horses getting away, especially up in the park. You know, people stop for lunch and don't tie their horses up correctly and next thing the horses take off. Well, you know, obviously they're not. the people aren't in danger at that point. However, you know, if the emergency beacon is tied to the saddlebag, suddenly there's a big problem. That's um, right. So... And, you know, mm. if you're riding with other people, talk about in a group, you know, talk about to the group what is going to happen if there's an emergency. You know, when we go out riding here, if I yell stop, everybody had better stop dead because it probably means that something has gone wrong and I need them all to cease motion immediately. Yep. You know, little things like that can turn, you know, take a small problem and keep it as a small problem. But if you haven't prepared for it, it can suddenly be a huge issue and again, you know, we want people to enjoy this sport. We want people to, to go out and enjoy their horses and enjoy the beautiful countryside that we live in. So, you know, we want to make sure they're safe when we do that. And I think, you know, all the tips that you've given us today, Michelle, they're good for any discipline. And logical steps, start with your groundwork, start with a controlled environment, you know, take the steps through, do your brakes work. I mean, these are things that people can try no matter what they're doing. But basically, what we want to do is have an enjoyable ride, enjoy our horses, have an enjoyable ride. And if people aren't really sure and would like to go out trail riding, but just need to be put through a few steps and be in a controlled environment, what's the best way to contact you? Um, they can contact me either through my website, Cherry yep. Tree Equine, yes. um, or we also have a Facebook page, and I know you'll have all my other contacts. We do, yourself, we do. Yeah, yeah um, definitely. Feel free, if anyone has any questions, send me a, you can send me a message through my uh, website, or you can send me a message through Facebook. Um, yep. They're probably the best, because like I said, <laughs> the phone reception out here is not great, so sometimes yeah, I can yeah. be a little hard to catch on the phone. Sure. And those will be on your page as well. So just go to horsechats.com slash Michelle O'Neill. I think it's Michelle O'Neill 2 or Michelle O'Neill 3 now, or just go and search <laughs> for Michelle, search for O'Neill, and I'm sure that you'll find her. All right. So again, Michelle, thank you for coming. Thank you for having all those tips and giving people just a broad knowledge of going on trail. I think that um, I think if someone does can go along to one of your your clinics and and just go out and being in a safe environment, that's ideally how you get introduced to it. But I think the tips you've given people, common sense, yes, but it's a good checklist to go through. So thanks again. Thanks, Glennis. Thank you very much for having me. Okay. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses, or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.